Welcome to a special edition of Spin Class. I'm here with Rabbi Yitzhak Pindras, the Vice Mayor of the Holy City of Yerushalayim, uh, who is presently in America for the annual convention, the 95th Agoda Convention, and he's kind enough to share some time with us with uh, hopefully what will be a wide-ranging and spirited discussion of uh, both the uh, politics in general, Israeli politics, and uh, some of the issues going on in the Jewish world that he sees. Uh, Rabbi Pindras, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Thank you for having me. So uh, we've known each other for quite some time. The last, when we first met, you were the mayor of Beitar Elite, which is actually a very uh, unique city with a very unique story, which was built pretty much out of nowhere and now is somehow, uh, I think, hovering around 50,000 residents. Probably more. Probably more. Probably more. It's incredible. And and 30 years old at this point or something like that, right? I mean, it's, you know, and I think that just points to the incredible growth within the Haredi community in general where you are a leading figure. So just talk for a second about your background, how you became, uh, how you got into politics to begin with, uh, if you are a skunnis, whatever, however you want to call it. But uh, what was the journey to becoming mayor of the city of Beitar Elite? It happened by coincidence. Like you said before, Beitar Elite uh, was in 1991, started in 1991, uh, is the first uh, Haredi city. And uh, there was basically, uh, there was no uh, idea how to run a Haredi city because we were used to living outside of Haredi cities. Even Bnei Brak wasn't established as a Haredi city. It became over the years a Haredi city. And that, uh, that was a special challenge. So 2001, I ran for mayor over there after I was involved in all kinds of projects. I came in when there was 30 families over there. And then I was there until 2007. Because of local issues, local issues, how to run a Haredi city, how do you run a, in a Zionist state, not a Lochic state, how do you run a, a, a Haredi city, which was a lot of uh, interesting uh, uh, things that were going around, that was the reason. Let me ask specifically, and if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong here, but let's say the perception is you have a Haredi city, how do you have a, a society that's entirely Haredi? I, the conception would be, of course, that Haredim don't work. They all learn. And so, therefore, the economy is going to be difficult. Um, most of them, are, I guess, are on public assistance. They don't have, uh, they have lots of children. It's overflowing. I mean, all the bad, all the caricatures the main, the main, that you see the about that. Challenges, okay. the so main go, challenges. You're going to correct me, which the, is good. I think, I think the main challenges are running a Haredi city, of course, in the, those years. Today, it's a little easier, but it's still a main challenge. As you know, when the city comes to tear, uh, tear off a room that you built illegally, and this, uh, the mayor is, uh, is your friend from yeshiva, the guys that are city hall, your friends from yeshiva, they're coming to tear up a room because you didn't uh, take out a permit. Or you have a, a, a guy from the city giving you a ticket for parking wrong, and you say, well, what are you, you crazy? Who cares how I park? What are you going to drive me crazy with those stupid laws? Those are the main challenges, right? Or if you throw garbage in the street and you get a fine because you sent your small child to throw out the garbage and he, he didn't put it that. Those are the main challenges. Of course, financing also and how how it has to work and how the budget has to work. And the budget is not something that you have to see how you put your hands inside the budget to take out money is a challenge. But not because of the income, because it's like every home, okay? Every home knows if you use what you earn, that's what you use so you don't go bankrupt, right? Same thing with the city, I guess, the right? Same idea as the city. Whatever you earn, whatever the city brings in, that's what the city could give out. 
And that's the and one word, the whole concept. And that's even easier because you're not dealing, again, with your friend from yeshiva or your friend from shul and giving him a fine, which was, that was more difficult. But it happens to be that everybody understands today the quality of life is not something trafe. Right, but from a governmental perspective, to go from a city inside of 30 years to go to from zero to 50,000 people, I mean, it's extraordinary. How, how do you handle that type of growth as a, as a government leader? And, and how, 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 as a mayor, can you prepare, be prepared for that kind of thing? First of all, a lot of Seattle Nishmaya. There was a lot of Seattle Nishmaya. The city was uh, really established very fast and built very fast. Uh, but uh, that's the reason. Because it's growing so fast and because it has so special challenges, so you could do things different. Uh, a city that exists there, you know, for example, I'm today in Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim, there are unions that are there for 50 years. There are groups of power that are there for 50 years to th- try to change uh, uh, Anything in Yerushalayim is Kriyasi You come to a new city, you're building with a young generation, with young people, with a lot of partners. Uh, nothing was done alone. It was done with a lot of part- with, uh, partners, heads of communities over there, Rebbeim, uh, Rosh Hashivas, and of course communities over there. And, uh, it's uh, done a lot easier than a place that's uh, built for years. And there for years with all kinds of uh, ideas that are there for years. And uh, it's pretty difficult to change them. Okay, now let's uh, step back for a second. I, I want to get back to Beitar for a second, but I think it's important for the audience to understand who uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Pidras is and how you got into... I assume when you were uh, in Yeshiva Katana and even uh, Yeshiva Gadola and, and, and beyond, you weren't thinking about a career in politics. So uh, additionally, uh, of course, you are American or American citizen, uh, an American voter, uh, which is, uh, which of course, is a tiny minority amongst the uh, Israeli politicians out there. So, uh, you know, how was, you, how did you end up be getting into politics, and just uh, your rise uh, to uh, mayor and now vice mayor of Yerushalayim? So, uh, on a personal level, how did that happen? The, the truth of the matter is, yes, I never not in Yerushalayim, and for sure not in Yerushalayim. Right after Kollel, I thought I'm going to end up being uh, a mayor, or deputy mayor, or vice mayor, or whatever. Uh, uh, like I said before, I moved in right after we got married, 1991, the end of 1990. It was November 1990, moved into Beitar, there was 30 families over there. And there was a mayor uh, by the name Dr. Moshe Leibovich. Uh, he was appointed by the government because there was no elections yet because there was no one really living there. He was appointed by the government and issues like Mikvahs, Eruvin, bringing in a rov over there, uh, all kinds of issues, issues of budgets. How do you do? How do you uh, give out budgets? If okay, if they go to soccer teams and uh, regular cities, what do you do in a Haredi city? How do you? Uh, what do you do with the budgets? How do you build Kohli? How do you build yeshivas? And these issues were coming up, and I found myself, I would say, after eighteen months, uh, in between, because of all kinds of uh, gatherings that were hearings that were uh, between the mayor and the residents. Uh, being the middleman between the residents of the city and the mayor, which was appointed, basically is a government uh, uh, official, but appointed, not elected, finding myself in the middle. The dealing, like I said, with all these issues of bringing Rabboni, making a base, in, making a roof, making a mikveh happen, making the shuls being giving out budgets and all these things. 1996, there was elections. 
I found myself really not planned beforehand uh, being part of the city hall two weeks after the elections as part of the city I became a, a deputy mayor and the rest is history uh, 2001 mayor 2008 uh, in Yerushalayim and uh, still looking back at those years that were in Kolo till 1996 right and then those were good years and then you went from Beitar to Beitar elite to Yerushalayim so there was a, also a transition to that you were, became deputy mayor now vice mayor uh, what do, I, I maybe explain what the difference is there uh, as as well as you know in Israel it's not a direct election even for local post it's also a party election correct in Israel the mayor is lo- is, a, is a direct election the, right the, the mayor city right, hall is party elections uh, uh, in 2008 uh, uh called me basically two things happened then Uri Maklev moved to the Knesset Uri Lepolyansky uh, uh, resigned from being mayor for inside political reasons between Degelater and Agudas Israel and Eretz Israel and Degelater uh, uh, found herself without anyone really running for City Hall. Uh, Rav Liashev called me for 20 seconds and says, Okay, I think uh, there's going to be a secular mayor in Jerusalem. I think your Jerusalem needs you. And uh, that was the end of the discussion, basically. I uh, moved to Yerushalayim. And since then, I'm, uh, for the last uh, almost 10 years, it's soon 10 years, uh, living in Yerushalayim, part of the City Hall, uh, of course, Yerushalayim. Uh, and uh, the vice mayor of Yerushalayim. But you went from being uh, the chief executive of a fully Haredi city uh, at, to the now being, I guess, the head of uh, uh, the Haredi uh, group or grouping or one of the heads of the Haredi grouping within Jerusalem City Hall, but there's a secular mayor near Barkat, uh, and... You have uh, to deal now. It's a whole different type of politics, correct? It's, it's a different challenge. It's a totally different challenge. Uh, first of all, you have to understand that Yerushalayim, of course, in Eretz Yisrael, but I believe in the world is the biggest uh, Haredi uh, community that there that exists. We're talking about over a quarter of a million people. Bigger than Bnei Brak, even. A lot bigger. We're talking lot about bigger, a quarter okay. of a million people, Haredi alone, that are living in Yerushalayim. It's a million wow. people generally, but I'm talking Haredi community alone sure. is a quarter of a million people, which is uh, not a small group. Uh, with a lot of and a lot of problems that are there for years already. And uh, like you said again, with battles with other groups, uh, non-Haredi, inside Haredi, it's different challenges. It's a different type of thing. It's... Uh, it's something else. It's nothing to compare to what happened in Beitar, like I said before, a new city. Uh, yes, it is interesting. It's a ten uh, intensive, uh, very interesting ten years. And just tell, explain to the audience how this city hall works, the city hall government. You have the mayor and you have a city council, of course, of how many... Uh, and there's a coalition, right? The same way the, the Knesset mayor, the has mayor, a coalition. The mayor, the mayor is elected uh, in elections, but he has to be ahead of a party that's running for the city hall. He's part of the city hall, in any case. He's basically the chairman of the city hall. He's the speaker. Okay? He's the speaker. He's the chairman of the city hall. The speaker. That's, that's his, uh, his job. Now, if he wants to, any decision uh, to make, a budget decision, a zoning decision, uh, or any kind of projects, he needs the city hall, the city hall, uh, uh, city hall the committees. How many seats are uh, there in the city council? The city council of Jerusalem is 31 seats. 
the mayor has at his party four seats. For example, Yadut us we have eight seats, Shas has five seats. Uh, so to have any decision made, he needs a majority of 16. What they do is, is they divide the departments of the city, divide the committees of the city between the uh, coalition groups, and uh, uh, he has a couple uh, deputies that they're part of the heads of parties that become uh, part of the coalition, and that's how the city is run. Uh, uh, that's basically needed. That means that if elected at the city hall, they become the deputy mayors when they're part of the coalition at a certain number and they're head of departments. So how does the how does the Haredi block, if you will, uh, decide? I, and I, actually, the Haredi block is made up of different Haredi parties, so they might have their own interests. There's 14 Wait. Haredi members out right. of 31 in Yerushalayim. And, how many, and the uh, and the Dati Lumi community has also seats? As another, uh, let's say, the, the regular Dati Lumi, the official Dati Lumi has three seats. And they, are they part of the are they part of the coalition? Right now, only uh, two of them are part of the coalition. Uh-huh. What is outside? And there is a, a group of modern Orthodox that are inside the other secular parties that are part of the secular parties. The mayor has in his party a, 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 a more modern Orthodox. Uh, this, uh, the other two parties, there is uh, the majority of Yerushalayim, I would say 22 out of 16 of Shemri Shabbos on the city hall of Yerushalayim. That gives you an idea what Yerushalayim looks like. Wow. Uh, but the 14 are Haredi. But there's still, so there's coalition politics there. So with the mayor uh, only controlling four seats in the council itself, it makes for some interesting horse trading, I imagine, uh, politically. A very simple story. Last week, the mayor tried to push the zoning plan of the old uh, train station. Okay, it happened uh, basically the, the last week. And uh, we made very clear to the mayor that there'll be no city hall meeting, uh, which was tonight. Uh, because we're going to all disappear, and if we're going to disappear, there's no city hall meeting. Ah, so now that explains why uh, you're here at the Aguda Convention. So uh, no, uh, no. Uh, by the end of the day, he took it off of the. He took it. He pulled the plan out, and uh, and the decision to pull the plan out, and the city hall got together today, which was uh, another thing. But I'm here at the Aguda Convention because it's for the first time that the city hall took place not the end before the end of the month. And when I scheduled myself for the Aguda Convention, it was supposed to be the end of the month. <laughs> uh, well, it wouldn't be the first time that uh, people uh, absented themselves from big political decisions uh, in order to uh, prove a political point. So it's actually been a, that's a actually time old uh, tactic here in the U.S. as well. So I, I commend you for using that. Uh, the the situation, uh, I guess. A lot of people, a lot of outsiders would look at the Haredi polit- political uh, scene as kind of being monolithic. But as you alluded to, there is, of course, there's Hasidim, there's Litvish, there's Sephardim, there's national religious as well. And they all are making up different uh, group of different constituencies out there. I guess in Yerushalayim as well, you also have a phenomenon of, of quite a few Haredim who don't participate at all. Uh, they don't vote. They don't come. Uh, now some of them are uh, splitting out. You know those who are out there protesting uh, the the uh, the draft. The Gius are now uh, you know may further splintering. Maybe talk about that for a second. The the lack of cohesion or the lack uh, or sometimes the competition within the Haredi no, no, politics. No doubt. Let's say uh, we'll talk a little history, a small history. No doubt that the last two tw- two elections. 
and now that a Haredi mayor was elected because of uh, there was a there wasn't united the Haredi black wasn't united. Okay, that happened the last time. That happened the last time. That happened the time before. You had groups that didn't vote for uh, the the Haredi candidate, which or from candidate, which uh, brought Nirmakat twice to be mayor. Uh, but the numbers are still growing. And generally, just for an example, uh, the, this, uh, yesterday what we told the mayor is that we're not going to come for the city hall meeting. That was 14 members said it very clear altogether, said, no, it's not going to happen, we're not going to come. Uh, things do happen together, but I agree. If all the Haredi vote would be united in Jerusalem, there would be a mayor, of course, the last elections, and if, uh, maybe even the elections before him. Now, how, how do you look at, uh, you know, as a politician and somebody in government, you have to also look at representing everybody. You can't just say, okay, I just represent my, my group. Um, and you hope that happens. I mean, we see differences in the U.S. as well. I don't want to be critical of the Israeli system. The fact is, um, you know, that we have a very polarized electorate here in the U.S. But how do you look at the fact that you're elected by a faction and the and you have a small group that's out there and they might only be uh interested in delivering services to their own faction versus looking at the bigger picture what's best for the city first of all i heard uh, i had this host to hear from revelation clear uh, not once and not twice and not three times and he said that in yiddish he said you get paid to take to make sure how the city's going to look like in 30 years or now and if not you're basically not doing your job. Almost a god if you take your salary on right. I mean, there's no doubt that there's a responsibility of a person that's working for the city to make sure what the city's going to be. That's his responsibility. That's what the residents want from him. Could be there's groups that have more power that are, want something specific. But if you ask, right, by the end, every man and woman that went to elections and said the mayor is basically paying my salary by their taxes is expecting me to make sure that the, their garbage will be collected, that their roads will be fixed, okay, that their gardens will be planted and be, <laughs> right? I mean, these are the people, right? There should be traffic, right? The traffic problem should be taken care of. That's what they expect from me. That's what they're paying my salary. And like I said, really, I should told me, you're a god of a flat. Right. I mean, there's a old adage here in New York uh, that uh, I think it was, popularized by Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia, there's no Republican or Democratic way to take out the garbage. Uh, delivering basic services is not a political act. It's actually just a thing that people expect from government. Um, so I, yeah, I see that. You know, it's just interesting you know, the way the Israeli system works and how it's, uh, how it's different. So I think it's important for people here on this side of the Atlantic to understand some of the different, you know, some of the differences out there. Uh, and, you know, proportional representation makes sure kind of tries at least to get everybody a seat at the table whereby you don't we don't always have that uh that every group should have some type of representation uh, but one thing and just a just to last question about your itself do you see as the religious population grows and i guess the secular population essentially leaves is that a long-term danger for the city um for, for the dangerous? health of What's dangerous by the city? I don't understand. If what we say is religious Jews, that we're afraid that it's going to happen. What are we going to do that day? I know how it's very What are we going to do that day? 
good. It's going to be Hashem Echodesh Merchad. We say no later every day. Fair enough. Yeah, so we're shocked. Oy vey, it could terribly happen. We hope that all the Jews in Yerushalayim are going to do tshuva. And it'll be uh, it'll be Shemir Shabbos, and then Yerushalayim is going to be a year Tiferes. How Yerushalayim the Gedushosa has to look like. Very, very, very well said. Uh, talk for a second, and you you were very outspoken, actually, in support of President Trump uh, when he uh, during the election. You're an Ohio voter, and you just said that you were voting for him. Talk about the difference in perception about the way President Trump is now looked at from Israel and even in the Haredi public in Israel uh, versus how he was or how the way President Obama was perceived. You have to understand that under the administration of Obama, Yerushalayim went through a very, very tough time. The zoning committee could almost never, never deal with, you know what, one or two stories in something that was sixty before 67 Israel or that Israel was crazy ideas they always found uh, a, a timing when 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 when, uh, when biden was is on his way or obama was having a, some kind of reception that day or something and uh, i don't know if people are aware but zoning rules go through a lot of hearings and a lot of uh, at times that they're, they're publicized you could uh, request you could come again you have to they have a lot of times that each time it was publicized the newspaper or something like that is a threat to the to, to, to the relationships between the United States and Israel, that disappeared the day he was elected. It doesn't even matter what he did in the administration. The day he was elected, that whole atmosphere disappeared. The zoning committee in Jerusalem is sitting, doing their job. I'm not saying there's maybe some plans that I think which should have been done better, but that fear of eight years that every single plan in Jerusalem is a threat Threat to world peace. Threat, threat to, to world, world peace. peace. Absolutely. That disappeared. And, and that As we saw reason. Syria collapsing and Iraq collapsing and everything. I have but to, I have Yemen to say, and an everything. Israeli, as an Israeli, I didn't know Trump so well, but I knew what 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 it's standing for. Okay? The day he was elected, never matter what he did even. The day he was elected, that disappeared. And for that alone, I think as Jews that Yushalayim is on top of Al Rushim Hossein, Yushalayim is on top of everything of us. Yeah, I, that I, alone was a reason for us to do anything that Trump should, everything that Trump should be. You, you uh, bring up an incredibly important point: is that the what well, people don't realize the effect that it wasn't just the the uh, policies. Okay, leave the UN resolution aside. The fact that he didn't veto that and the damage that did potentially uh, out there, but the I, the idea that policy was frozen essentially for eight years that you couldn't uh that the israeli government really couldn't make a move on on pretty much anything without severe threats and severe retaliation uh it just it, it was really you know i think it was is it more i think what you're saying is just that the the attitude of the obama administration was so severe um that any alternative was was uh, was a relief and certainly, if you looked at Clinton as more of the same, that was a particular danger uh, or a particular threat to, uh, you know, to if, if people can't build houses and can't build housing for their children, that's an existential threat for many communities uh, when it comes down to it. And Yerushalayim needs, needs growth, and a lot of the areas of growth are going to be over the green line, if you say. Generally, always, uh, 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 leadership doesn't get into each, each issue in each, each detail. 
Okay, politics in generally, right? Not issues. Their atmosphere, what's going around. Okay, it's enough that the CNN doesn't get up in the morning and say, "You insulted the American state." Could be Obama never knew what we're talking about that he wasn't involved. But if the CNN could get up, okay, or New York Times said, write a headline and say, "Israel insulted America." That's something that made a damage. No one today thinks that Israel is insulting America when they decide something in East Jerusalem, okay? Because that's the atmosphere. Right. I I, I don't know what what's happening in, inside the rooms because it doesn't even make a difference. It's not that I know, I, it doesn't make a difference. The difference is what the atmosphere is. Joe Biden didn't care if they got a bill in Ramat Shlomo, 100 apartments or 200 apartments. I believe he didn't care, but. If all the headlines in TV and newspapers were that it's a disaster, the, 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 the relationships with the United States of America is falling apart, and that makes the, the Prime Minister of Israel say, listen, I have enough trouble without it. Don't, get it. don't get me into this. That's a reason that it had to change. This is Spin Class here with Rabbi Yitzchak Pindris as we wrap up our uh, show here. I just want to talk, actually, I, one more thing about Trump. Um, you, you had mentioned to me a little while back about the impact that his visit to the coastal had on people. And you felt it. And I guess that's part of perceptions a little bit, right? I mean, it really doesn't matter to us whether who visits the coastal. But I guess it had an impact on a lot of Israelis was there. I was actually there right before his visit. Uh, right at the beginning of the Yerushalayim week and Trump. And there was tremendous excitement when people heard that he was actually going to visit the coastal. One of the reasons I came here to this uh, convention is basically the, the, the issue with the women of the Kotel. Okay? Uh, what I called it in Israel, at least, the women against the Kotel. Uh, the Kotel became a place that everyone in Israel that wants to be attached to religion, and we're talking about 76% of Israelis visited the Kotel in the last year. 76%. Amazing. It's amazing Just number. Understand we're talking about 20-25% religious. So the rest are, are traditional people that come to visit the Kotel, and they come to visit the Orthodox Kotel. Now, American reform are trying to push in there. And American reform are threatening Israeli politicians that America's going to stop backing Israel if you're not going to react uh, nice enough to the reform communities, the American reform, not Israelis. It's a, an Israeli issue, there's no reform in Israel. Obama, uh, Trump coming in and telling uh, Ivenka to go to the other side to the Ezra Sloshim, and he's walking into the men's session with the Rav of the Kaisal Rav Rabinovich that really really does a terrific job in keeping the Kotel where it is today that told those those organizations stop threatening Israel with uh, how, how the Kotel should look like the Kotel is orthodox that's how it was and that's how it's going to be Okay, off of politics for a second. Uh, one of the big projects you've taken on is this Machona Haredi, the Haredi Institute. Uh, I know we, we're almost running out of time, so just if you could quickly kind of just let us know, what, what's your agenda? What are you looking to do? What, what does the Haredi community need as far as a, an institute or somebody to study them? The Haredi community is growing very fast in Israel. They're becoming a, a massive percentage, okay, of Israeli economy, of Israeli education, of Israeli market, of everything. Now, people are very threatened about it and come out with all kinds of uh, policies. Okay? People that are, that are taking decisions anywhere, government offices and funds in private sector, uh, they're threatened. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to the economy? What's going to happen to what's going on over here? And they're doing it without databases, without strategic plans. 
What we think is you need professional people, okay, that know how to uh, uh, do research, and people from the field, from the Haredi field, that came like myself and others, and that come from the Haredi field of doing, and build policies that are built a real database, and not build on illusions and ideas, build on real, real things. How the economy of Israel should succeed, and the Haredi community at the same. It's a win-win situation. So hopefully this is going to be the kind of thing that's going to be, I mean, I think that there's just a lack of information out there in general. Uh, you know, not only does the Haredi community not study itself, I mean, but the outside world doesn't study it effectively either. So this would be, uh, having something like this can be a huge uh, boon to, as the community grows, to future, to good planning and good growth and hopefully good relationships amongst the Haredi community and outside. No doubt. Most of the plans we do, we do together with the government, together with the big funds that are involved in Israel, and, and together with the uh, uh, people that could be involved from all kinds of sectors. And of course, the more information you have, the less uh, threat we are, and uh, the more uh, plans could be planned uh, correct. Okay, Rabbi Yitzhak Pindris, the Vice Mayor of Yerushalayim, Yer HaKodesh, thank you for joining us so much on the special edition here of Spin Class here from the Aguda Convention. Uh, we will see you next week. Stay tuned for Jew of the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.